Let's take our Bibles tonight. Turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 2. We're going to finish up the second chapter of the book of Mark. And our preaching through Mark. Mark, chapter 2. Don't forget, I believe it's also in your bulletin, uh, this week being Thanksgiving week. We're going to have our midweek service on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. So this week, our midweek service, service youth activities, prayer room, it will be this coming week on Tuesday instead of Wednesday. So uh, Tuesday, midweek service this week due to Thanksgiving. Our chapter number two, let's begin here at verse number 23. We'll finish up this chapter and we're going to get into a little bit of the third chapter this evening. Mark chapter 2, verse, verse number 23. If you're there, say amen. 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 The Bible says it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day which is not lawful? Now you, you notice the trend here the past few weeks. They're, they're criticizing Jesus because he's eating with sinners. Then they're criticizing Jesus and his disciples that they're eating because they're not fasting. So first it was who they're eating with. And now the Pharisees are criticizing Jesus. Secondly, by, that he's just eating. And now they're criticizing him and his disciples for plucking wheat. And in your King James it's written corn wheat on the Sabbath day. And so in verse 24, they want to know why do they on the Sabbath that which is not lawful? So verse 25, Jesus responds and he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and he was hungered, he and they that were with him, how he went to the house of God in the days of Abathar the high priest and did eat of the shewbread, that it, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. Remember, David was fleeing from Saul, and he ate ceremonial bread that had been sanctified for the temple, and they ate it. They were starving and hungry, and they ate that which they broke the ceremonial law to eat it. In verse 27, he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We pray, God, that your word would, would be a great blessing to us. Lord, that you would, we could be fed by it, we could grow by it, we could leave here with a greater understanding of the book of Mark. Lord, as we take it, Lord, as we take it passage by passage and, and, and story by story, God, I pray that you'll help us to develop a bigger picture of your life and have a greater understanding of what what you impressed upon Mark to write, is to write and for us to know and what we need to know about you. And Lord, I pray it will be a great help to us and grow us in our Christian faith. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We worship you, Lord. In Christ Jesus, your name, we ask these things. Amen. So this is the Sabbath day. And Jesus is going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he's... They're hungry, and they are the object of the Pharisees' criticism. So the disciples on the Sabbath day are going to the synagogue because in chapter 3, verse 1, they're entering into the synagogue, and they're being criticized for basically how they're preparing their breakfast. 
Now the Pharisees had a law, and what's happening is Jesus is, is disregarding pharisaical ordinances. Like the Pharisees made a law, it's the oral tradition. They made a law, it's not scriptural. They just, they went beyond what scripture taught. All religions do that. They impose on us something that God has not imposed upon us. Man tries to bind us, and Jesus came to set us free, amen? And all that we do in Christ is for our benefit, it's for our joy, it's for our freedom, it's for our sanctification, it's for our edification. Anything that Jesus don't want you to do or does want you to do, it is for your good, amen? But the Pharisees were imposing stricter and more strict uh, regulations, making the law of Moses even more binding. They're so afraid of going outside the law, they create like a, a, a buffer area that becomes more strict. So they, in a way, are becoming more strict than the law of Moses and what it commands. Like the law of Moses, of course, you can't work on the Sabbath day, amen? You can't, uh, you can't harvest wheat on the Sabbath day. You can't go to work on the Sabbath day. And what the Pharisees were essentially accusing Jesus and his disciples that they were harvesting wheat on the Sabbath day. According to their observation or interpretation of it, the disciples were doing no different than jumping on a, a John Deere combine or harvester and harvesting wheat on the Sabbath day. And what they were doing was just crumbling it in their hands to get the kernel of wheat. They were just unwrapping a Pop-Tart wrapper, so to speak. That's what they were doing. And they were hungry, and they were doing this on the Sabbath day. And so the Pharisees are being critical of Jesus. And Jesus is, in this scene in his life, he's, he's imposing his authority over the authority of the scribes and the Pharisees. So like a few weeks ago, Jesus, you're eating with sinners. And Jesus says, why wouldn't I eat with sinners? He, he, he said, they that are whole need not a physician. I came to call the righteous, not sinners. I came to call sinners to repentance. That's why I'm here. And remember, he's eating with sinners, but he's not sinning with sinners. That's an important distinction. And I want to remind you again, when he's sitting in the presence of sinners, he's saying they are not whole. They are unrighteous. I came to help them. I came to save them. I came to save them from their sins. He's saying in the midst of eating with sinners, these people are sinners and they need my help. These people are unrighteous and they need my help. And so the, the, rabbi, the pharisaical law and ordinance was, you can't eat with sinners, Jesus. You can't eat with tax collectors. I'm glad that Jesus didn't follow the rule, aren't you? Because if Jesus didn't come where I was at and where you are, then we would never be made righteous through his blood and the righteousness of God, which is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm glad he came down where the sinners are, aren't you? Praise the Lord, he didn't follow a religion. Jesus wasn't, came to establish a religion. Jesus came to begin a relationship with sinners. And that's what he did. He's eating with sinners. Of course that's what he's doing. And I want to remind you again, whenever Jesus eats with anybody, he's eating with sinners for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Amen? Right. So he's imposing his authority over their traditions. He's, he's, he's usurping them. He's basically saying, I'm not listening to you all. I didn't come to check all your boxes. I came to help people. People don't need boxes checked. Have you noticed that? People need something real. People need something that's, that is, can change them. 
People don't need to get in certain lines. People don't need to wear certain clothes. People don't need to fit in certain cultures. People need to know God. That's what people need. And sometimes we think, well, what a religious person. But really the question is, do they know Him? Do they know Jesus? Do they have a relationship with God? And I want to ask you that. We're basically pretty religious people. I mean, the Sunday night crowd is probably a religious crowd, I would suppose. I mean, thank God we're here, amen? I mean, it's wonderful to be here. It certainly is. I'm glad we have a church to go to, aren't you? I'm glad we could sing and worship the Lord. And I'm glad that we have decided to come. And I do believe that God will bless you for coming. But the real question is, is do you know Him? That's the question, isn't it? Because going to Sunday night church is, is not the righteousness that, that is, is going to be the righteousness that provides you righteousness to get into the gates of heaven. I mean, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, who became even more righteous, air quotes, than even what the law of Moses imposed upon people, unless you go beyond that, you'll in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. The only way to be righteous is through faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, do you know Him? It shouldn't really be, I go to church. Do you know Him? That's the question, amen? So, well, I read a lot of Bible. Do you know Him, though? That's really the question, isn't it? Well, I know a lot about the Bible. I know a lot about church histories, one might say. Well, great, amen. But do you know Him? You can know all kinds of stuff and miss it. You know that? I mean, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have everlasting life, but they are they which testify of me. I mean, these guys spent so much time reading the Torah and the Old Testament, and nevertheless, they still could not see their Messiah when he was having a conversation with them. They still missed it. Amen? So, we need more than religion, don't we? So Jesus is basically disobeying them. So he's eating with sinners, and they don't like that. His disciples aren't fasting. They don't like that. Remember the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee, and the Pharisee prayed and stood within himself and said, I fast twice a week, you remember? They're probably fasting two times a week, and the disciples of Jesus aren't fasting two times a week. And they're, they're following you, Jesus, but their lives aren't better than my life. So he's, he's not fasting like, they want the, like, like the Pharisees want him and his disciples to do, and they're eating with the wrong crowd, and now they're shucking corn on the Sabbath day. They have a problem. They think their righteousness is by keeping rules. They think it makes them righteous, but it don't. And Jesus rebukes them in verse 25 when he reminds them of, haven't you heard what happened to David? And David ate bread that was ceremonial bread. It was sanctified bread. It was a bread to be offered at the temple. It was, it was bread that was supposed to bring people closer to God. But they fail to understand the main point is that how would David be brought closer to God if he died of starvation? Well, I guess in one sense he would meet the Lord, so he would be pretty close to him. <laughs> but the ceremonial law, the reason for the bread was to get people's heart on earth heavenward and get them to think about God, not try to, not try to just do a religion. The whole point of it was, to, was for their benefit. Jesus is saying the whole point of the bread, Pharisees, is for the benefit of people that their hearts 
and their minds and their affections would rise above the earth. It was for their benefit. And Jesus is giving an example. How is the bread for the benefit of David if it don't benefit him when he's starving to death? So see, religion's supposed to help people. And if it's not helping people, then it's really hurting people, isn't it? That's why Christ is full and free. That's why He's for whosoever. That's why Jesus is for black and white and man and woman. That's why Christ is for everybody of every culture, of every race, of every creed, of every economical status, of every, of every tradition. Christ is freely offered to Russians and people who live in Yemen and people down in Alabama. We know they need the Lord. Amen? They, Christ is offered to everybody. Am I joke? Christ is for us. And so the religion of Christ, if I could use that reverently, is that Christ has been offered to us to bring us to God. That anything that separates us from God is a hindrance to the fullness and the freedom that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God forbid we ever fail to see the simplicity that's in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we could know God through faith in Jesus Christ, and Christianity isn't keeping rules. It's the righteousness of God in Christ that then He lives in you, and He fulfills righteousness out of your life by the new birth and by the power of His Spirit, and now you want to do right, and you want to keep the law, and it's not because you're imposed you're being be, a rules being po- imposed upon you it's because he changed your nature and you want to this is a relationship many of you know I went to uh, you sent me there we had a good time to South Dakota we went to the Indian reservation there and we I got to really they ministered to me and Brittany the Aglala Lakota Sioux and we're proud to support that missionary work to the, to the Sioux Indians in the Pine Ridge Reservation you know, they don't dress like we dress, obviously. they got a way different culture than you and I have. You know, every time, I'm, every time I come across that, it makes me judge myself. And we should judge ourselves, you know. Like, we should judge ourselves lest we don't be judged. We should be harder on ourselves than we are other people. I mean, we, for, we fail to see the beam in our own eyeball when we're trying to see toothpicks in other people's eyes. And they're not like us at all. Their culture is way different from us. But do you know that we're going to be worshiping with Aglala Lakota Sioux Indians in heaven and they don't wear the same kind of clothes we do and they don't have the same type of of culture that we do and they eat different kind of cornbread and they do things completely different. But do they know God? That's the question, isn't it? Do they know Him? And so the, the Pharisees are making a couple mistakes here. So they're judging, they're judging the disciples on basically how they're going to church. And can we pause there and make a mental note, a heart note? Let's not judge people how they come to Westside. Let's not pick on if, they, if they're different from us. Let's not judge them by what they, what they get out of in the parking lot. And so the Pharisees, they're bothering these disciples because they're they think they're harvesting wheat on the Sabbath day, but they're just hungry and opening up a pop-tart, and they say, you're breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath. You're breaking the Sabbath. You're not right with God. You're breaking the Sabbath. You all aren't true. You're not righteous. Look at you all. You're breaking the Sabbath. You're teaching other people, but your life is falling apart. That's what they're saying. And in verse 27, Jesus reveals to them their first mistake. And he said, here's their first mistake. 
you all fail to realize this. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. They're, they fail to understand that. The Sabbath was made for man. God didn't make man to keep the Sabbath. God gave the Sabbath for man to be a gift for man, to be a benefit for man. He could rest. He could stop all of his work. He could pray without going out into the fields. He could relax. He could worship. He could ponder. He could think. He could rest. Sabbath was made for man's benefit. Religion had turned it around where Sabbath has become a burden for them. God gave the Sabbath for the benefit of mankind. And they're using the Sabbath as, as a club that is hurting people. It's not helping people. The Sabbath was made for man. You know, at the end of our... I'm not going to get into when's the Sabbath day for Christian people. That's another time for another sermon. I'll be honest with you, I'm more tired on Sunday nights than I am any other night of the week. I try to rest on Saturday. I try to get ready for today on Saturday. But there should be a day where we rest and we fully devote ourselves to God. There needs to be, we need to bring back the Lord's Day in America. You know that? Because it is for our benefit. I see no benefit in not keeping the Lord's Day. I, see, I don't see how it's benefiting our society at all. What our sin is we have went too far the other way. At the end of the Lord's Day, we should ask ourselves, and we, it should be for our benefit. We should say it's been good to be in the Lord's house today. We should say, the prayers have made a difference in my life. See, it's, this is for us, not us for it. God has given us this day of worship for our benefit. At the end of a Sunday night, we at Westside should reflect and think and praise God how He sanctified our lives. How we got to pray as a church body. How we collectively worshiped. Can we say that these things are good? It is good to worship, amen? It is, it is a gift from God, and it is for our benefit. We don't get this on a Tuesday. Have you noticed that? We, we don't get the fellowship of the saints on a Thursday. Well, I know we can sing in our car, but you know when the car gets all lathered up, and it's going, and it's good, and God's blessing, and hearts are being fed, and we're letting go of our burdens, and we think what a day that'll be, and how it'll be great over yonder, and how the glory will roll, and how great He is, and just as I am, He saved me and came for me, and He is amazing. When we do that, it is for our benefit, amen? We're not, we're not checkboxing something, okay, I did my duty today. Church should not be a duty. Church shouldn't just be a responsibility. Going to church should be worshiping and praising God and growing biblically and repenting of sins and getting closer to Jesus and getting closer to each other and getting further away from the world. That is for our benefit, isn't it? It is good to be here. And the Pharisees have turned the Lord's day into some duty and chore. A check, a box that must be checked. An activity that must be done. I wonder how pharisaical our hearts are. Do we just come to worship because that's what we do? Or do we realize this is an opportunity for God to do something in my heart? 
This is an opportunity for me to get closer to Jesus. This is an opportunity to examine my life. This is an opportunity to lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets me. This is a prime opportunity right now. I'm not speaking in a hyperbole. I'm not using a figure of speech. I mean right now in this moment, God has given us an opportunity to get closer to Him through faith in His Son. And that's for our benefit, ain't it? And oftentimes we think, well, I guess I, I guess I better go to church. It ought to be. And God changed the attitude of our heart. It should be, I get to go there. I get to worship. I get to not labor in the world. I get to have a day that is sanctified for my benefit. God has given us a day sanctified for our benefit. That finally we can relax and let the world do what it wants to do. You make all the money you want to make. You achieve everything you want to achieve. But this day, this day, God has given as a gift for our benefit. Praise the Lord. Amen. You think, what good does it do? I, I can tell you, like I say often, Church, don't, it's not a cure-all, but it cures a lot, don't it? And I, and I don't know sometimes what that day, how it benefited me. I don't know all them Sundays that my mother brought me to the house of God. I can't remember every exact moment where this happened. And God made me realize this. And God brought that to my attention. And God made me sensitive to that. And God made me avoid that. And I saw the gospel. And I heard about Jesus. And I learned that I learned how to pray. And I realized that that life is really about knowing God. I don't know exactly when that happened. But I can say, my, what a difference it's made. Amen? I told you before, one time this man, he was disgruntled because he saw, he saw the, the Lord's Day as some chore that he must keep. You still with me? We're on to something tonight. Amen? I feel like my, my preaching the past few times has, I have been like the Apostle Paul and 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. I've came not with excellency of speech. I came in weakness. I didn't come in wisdom. I came as, as a baby, as a child. But nevertheless, His Spirit has been helpful and edified us. You know it. But while we're on it tonight, I sure ain't going to run out of here while God is doing something. I'm not doing it. One time this man, I told you I think before, some of you might say, here we go again. I know it. One day I'll have more stories. I'm getting older, Ruth. I'm gaining experience. Hair is getting gray. Hairlines receding. Wrinkles are becoming more pronounced. I, it is different when I wake up now. I'll be honest with you. I don't sleep as good as I used to. And today, for some reason, I woke up and both my arms were numb. And I don't know why. So I might be getting somewhere. When I saw some gray hairs in my head, I thought, praise the Lord, maybe some of them will listen to me now. Amen? <laughs> Nobody listens to a preacher that don't have gray hair, hardly. <laughs> I've noticed that. I've noticed some preachers, I notice they're dying their hair. I'm thinking, I ain't doing that. No, I might finally just fake some wisdom. But this man one day, he said, I, don't, I ain't going back to church. I can't even remember the preacher's last sermon. If I can't remember it, it ain't doing me no good. 
I don't believe I'll go back. I'm done with that. I'm done wasting my time. It ain't doing me no count. And his wife, who was wise, obviously, she said to him, well, what did you eat last week? He said, I don't know. What did you eat for supper last month? He said, I don't know. Do you remember all the meals you've ate? He said, I can't remember that. She said, well, you're not, you're not skinny, and you're not a bag of bones, and you're still alive. It must have done you some good. Just because we don't remember everything about it does not mean it's not working. Just because it's not one of those big Sundays don't mean sometimes that that pimento cheese sandwich didn't keep you alive that night. Just because it's not a big Thanksgiving meal every time, it does not mean that all them other meals were useless. When we come here, it's good for us to be here. It's a blessing. Amen? It's for our edification. And God is saying to you and I, He's not saying, oh, you better come because I'll be mad at you if you don't. No. He's saying, why won't you come? It's for your benefit. It's good for you to come. And let me say, parents, where else? Where else? What other organization? And can I say, it's more than an organization. It is an organism. It is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where else, though, can you come to a place I know sometimes the preacher misses his mark. I know sometimes things aren't always perfect. But neither is the theater. Neither is the ball field. Neither is Neyland Stadium, but they'll sell it out again. Neither are a lot of places. But there is no place in this world that has greater content for the saving of the soul and the sanctification of the mind and the heart and the upbuilding of the family than the local church. Amen. They, the Pharisees, thought that the Sabbath was a chore that must be done. And if you don't do it a certain way, and you don't act a certain way when you're doing it, then you're not doing it right. This is for our benefit. Can I say, I feel like I should say it, many of us need to change our attitude about the Lord's day. We need to change the our way our heart approaches this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us gather over there with them. Hey, the church has been the greatest impact on my life than anywhere else. I know you can get born again anywhere, but I was born again here. I was baptized here. I grew up in a youth group here. We had a lot of sin in our lives, don't you? But slowly over time, little by little, Jesus, through the ministry of His church, was sanctifying, setting apart, and changing and redeeming. Amen? Met my wife here. and Some even say, well, I don't want to go to church to meet somebody. Again, you're missing it. Church is for your benefit. This is good. I sure would go to meet somebody there. Where else are you going to go? That's, that's crazy. So you'll meet somebody anywhere else. 
except the local church. I don't make any sense. This is the best place. My son, uh, Nathan, sorry, Nathan, he plays, a, he plays a game with some boys. When I was a kid, if you want to play video games, somebody, Jace, you had to go to their house. It's crazy. We'd all spend that four or five of us. We'd have to go to their house. Now you can do it online. And there's a group of boys Nathan plays some video games with. And we're very uh, selective, as you should be, parents, what type of games your kids play and what and who they're playing the game with. And my son last night asked me if he could friend uh, one of his buddies from school. His name was Jackson. And I know Jackson from afar, but I don't know Jackson. And I need to know, does Jackson share our faith, our values, our goals? And so, as often is, there was the Inquisition. Who is Jackson? Where's Jackson go to church? Who's Jackson's parents? Who's Jackson's friends? Does Jackson use inappropriate language? I'm not saying that anybody's better than Jackson, but I need to know. And it's important to know what circle we're in. Because, remember, bad company will ruin good character. And again, where am I going with this? Because this is the place. These are the people that God has given for our benefit. Amen? Amen. Their first mistake was they misunderstood what the Sabbath was for. Lastly, their second mistake. Jesus said in verse 28, Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day. So they first mistake, they failed to understand what the Sabbath was for. The Sabbath was for them, but their big mistake, they don't understand who He is. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath day. That's a pretty big statement to make. He's saying, I'm the one that imposed the Sabbath day. I'm the one who gave you the Sabbath day. The one who created the Sabbath day is saying to the Pharisees, the Sabbath is made for man's benefit. It's not something to regulate and impose rules upon their life. The church is for our benefit. It's not an organization to impose restrictions and rules upon your life. Though absolutely, those who know Jesus keep His commandments. Yes, absolutely. But this is for our benefit. They fail to understand who He is. Briefly, in chapter 3, the Bible says, He entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he'd heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. The thinking here is, is they try, they're trying to frame Jesus. They brought this man here, or they used this man's situation to see if Jesus would heal him on the Sabbath day. They're so, they're so delusional and misguided by their religion, they think that Jesus healing this man would be him working on the Sabbath day. Verse number 3. And he saith unto the man with, which had the withered hand, Jesus said, Stand forth. And he saith unto him, verse 4, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to kill, but they held their peace? Obviously, that's a rhetorical question. They know the answer. The Sabbath day is for the good of us. 
The Sabbath day is to restore life. The Sabbath day is to better our lives. We know that, but they don't practice it. It's amazing what we know in our head, but we don't practice. Verse 5, and when he looked round about upon them with anger, I learned that word anger, it's, it's in a present tense in its original Greek language. That means it's a moment of anger. Jesus is angry. Newsflash, newsflash, Jesus got angry. So Jesus had a moment of anger. And then being grieved, I learned that that word grieved in the original Greek, it's in a continual tense. That means that he had a moment of anger in verse 5, but he was continually grieved about the hardness of their hearts. And he saith unto the man, stretch, stretch forth thine hand. There's a cool point here. So this man's hand is withered. He can't unwither his hand. It's crippled. But Jesus says, stretch forth thine hand. But it's odd because he can't. So the point is that Jesus gives power to obey his commandments. Do you notice that? So when Jesus tells you to do something... He tells you to do it with the necessary power to accomplish it. This man's hand's been withered, but Jesus said, stretch forth thine hand. And Jesus commands him to do it and provides him the power to accomplish it. And he stretched out his hand. And his hand was restored whole as the other. Now verse 6 is a turning point in the life of Jesus in the book of Mark. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They want him dead because he's opposing his authority over their traditions. We sin by our traditions. And I know we don't want Jesus dead, but some of us, and often, many times, all of us, will, would rather sin than to allow Jesus to impose his authority over our lives. We fail to realize that he is the Lord of the Sabbath day. The Lord's day. My mother, I grew up, I thank God for my mother. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And I remember, uh, I've shared with you this before too, Sometimes we would be driving home from Sunday service and somebody would be mowing and she'd say, I wish their lawnmower would break. <laughs> you say, well, that's mean, you might think. But really what she's saying is it'd be, it'd be to their benefit if they couldn't mow because it's a greater benefit for them to observe worship. The worst thing is not worshiping. The worst thing is not going to church. They better not do that because then they won't get the benefit of keeping the Lord's day. That's the worst thing. I grew up in that culture. I thank God for it. Some people say, give me that old-time religion. Like, do you really want that? Because I think if I could sum up what that means as we get a song of invitation, it means this. Give me that old-time religion. It means that your relationship with God supersedes everything else in your life. Your relationship with God is more important than anything. Your relationship with God holds higher precedent than your opinions, than what you want to do, even if it's mowing. Now, I know 
The Apostle Paul said, judge no man on any holy day. Absolutely. We're not better than anybody. But some people, I wonder, if they're not going to church on Sunday, I, I'm pretty sure they're not going on Thursday. If they're not coming on Sunday, I'm pretty sure they're not going on Tuesday. Some, some of you might misunderstand that. You might think, well, you're imposing your regulations upon people. No, it's a shame that people are missing out on the benefits. Missing out on the benefits of the Lord's Day. Because they think it's some rule or regulation they might keep. It's good to be here, amen? It's good for us to be a part of the local church. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath day. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We'll dismiss. If there's any need for prayer, you come. I'd love to pray with you if you'd like me to. You obey the Lord this evening.